Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Scriptures of Mom and Terry. I'm the mom in the wine group. Okay, um, we are going to be reading Acts 10 to 15. And today's, uh, or this week's scripture study skill is rewriting scriptures in your own words. Now, this is not like, you don't have to take all of the scriptures and write them in your journal word for word. However, this is taking maybe one scripture or one story and writing things in your own words. And the rewriting kind of helps you internalize the story, but then put your own words into it so that it makes sense. Um, or you could ask um, things like, what, like if you had a friend that asked you what that scripture meant, what would it say? Or what would you say? Or um, how would you teach this to a child? Or, you know, those kind of things. And then it just kind of builds confidence that you can understand the scriptures a little bit more. So um, I also, speaking of writing all the scriptures word for word, I have seen people um, do the rewriting scriptures challenge where they actually do take word for word and they rewrite each verse themselves in their journal as they are reading or that's part of their reading or studying and I think there's I think there's benefits to all kinds of scripture study and um, scripture study tools and skills because or skills because they can be used as tools to bring us closer to Jesus Christ so however you can do that is acceptable okay there's no wrong way to read the scriptures okay um in fact today been asking me mom you're gonna do some walking today with your scripture reading i thought you didn't walk on sunday and i was like okay well here's the thing i have tried not walking but when i don't walk i kind of fall asleep so we have to and i and i don't want to fall asleep while i'm reading scriptures because i feel like that brings me closer to jesus christ and if I'm falling asleep during that, it's not going to be effective to establishing my relationship or getting or strengthening my relationship with him. So I have to do things that will continue to strengthen my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so sometimes you're going to find that certain seasons of your life, you can do this. And some seasons of your life, you can do something else. So you just got to find what's right for you because Satan's going to be there fighting back and making you not read your scriptures, um, distracting you from all the things that are essential. Okay, so you gotta take charge and do what is necessary for you. And remember those things that you felt were meaningful, okay, to you and your relationship. So for me, currently, it is walking. Now, I used to sit and read and write and everything, and that was enough then. But now we've had to take it to a different level. Okay, so here we go. Acts 10 to 15. Um, who are Christians? Okay, so let's see. We're going to be, now it's time for the, uh, to take the gospel to the Gentiles, which would have been a huge policy change to the Jewish-born Christians. Peter was the living prophet, and God gave him a very clear revelation that the time had now come the jews identified as the seed of abraham and looked down upon those who were gentiles 
But that's not how God saw the Gentiles and Christians. We need to learn that. And that God is no respecter of persons. And that's Acts 10.34. Okay, so who are the Christians? Followers of Christ were first called Christians in Antioch. This is Acts 11.26. But what does it mean? Elder Worthland taught a dictionary defines a Christian as one who professes belief in Jesus as the Christ and follows the religion based on the life and teachings of Jesus and one who lives according to the teachings of Jesus. Thus, two characteristics identify Christians. One, they profess belief in a Savior, and two, they act in harmony with the Savior's teachings. End quote. And this was Elder Joseph B. Worthland, October 1996 General Conference. And then, who is a Gentile? See, I always got these confused, right? So, Gentile. The basic meaning of the word Gentile is foreign, other, or non. Okay, so, like currently, we, you know, be like non-member. Okay, thus, to a Hebrew, a Gentile is a non-Hebrew. To an Israelite, a Gentile is a non-Israelite. And to a Jew, a Gentile is a non-Jew. In this sense, some Latter-day Saints have referred to those who are not members of the church as Gentiles, <laughs> even though the non-members might be Jews. So, everybody in their own religion thinks that everybody else is a Gentile. So, isn't that hilarious? Okay, so then Daniel H. Ludlow says, the word Gentile might also be used in several different ways to refer to family, religious, political, or even geographical relationships. For example, a person might be considered an Israelite in a family or blood sense, but might be called a Gentile in a political or geographical sense because he lives in a land or nation that is primarily Gentile or non-Israelitish. Wow. That seems like a lot to keep track of. So here we go. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 10. We'll see how far we get. Okay. There was, so could we have to do something before we leave? Okay. There was a centurion, centurion, <laughs> no. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. Oh, there, there is a centurion part of the band called the Italian band. So he was a Roman officer, although it sounds like it would be a sweet band. <laughs> a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Wow, that would be an awesome way to be described as a man, right? Okay, he saw in a vision, evident, evidently about the ninth hour, which is like around 3 p.m. or the hour in, of evening prayer, of the day an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel, so these are instructions from the angel. And when the angel, which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and the devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. 
On the morrow, as they went on their on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, so around noon, and he became very hungry. So I mean, it makes sense. They walk a lot and it's lunchtime, and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So he had a vision. <laughs> If you're hungry and you have a vision, usually that's just meaning you pass out. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And saw heaven open. Okay, so this was like our for real vision. And saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, where, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, for the first time, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again, the second time, too. What, so the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. And 16, this, um, sorry, verse 16, this was done, the rice, so very fine, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, so this was a vision that Peter got that he needed to go get some food. That's quite the vision. Pretty sure I often get visions of getting chocolate, but not so, not so fun. Okay, I just found a sock in my shirt. This is so weird. All right. <laughs> Now, while Peter doubted himself in himself what this vision, which he had seen, could, should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And I'm sure he was like, Did you bring me food? Because I'm hungry. <laughs> Here we go. Hello? Uh, my phone or my, my headphones are acting really great. Okay. Um, so Peter's vision, while he was experiencing this vision that... Um, Peter saw the heaven opened, okay, which suggests that something was about to be revealed that was previously hidden. This is highly figurative or symbolic vision. Peter sees what was like a big sheet being let down to the earth with all types of beasts, birds, creeping things upon it. Peter was then instructed to kill and then eat the animals, to which Peter objected because they were common or unclean, right? And the Mosaic law at the time had a strict and specific list of animals and living creatures that could not be eaten and that could be eaten. And this is in Leviticus chapter 11, you can find that. Animals that were not allowed were seen as unclean or common because they were common among the Gentiles. But Peter had been obedient to this dietary law his entire life. Imagine this moment when he was suddenly told to eat the very things he had avoided. Peter's response was that he didn't want to eat something because it was common. The voice comes a second time and declared um, that what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. If God has declared that something is clean, 
then it is clean. This message was repeated three times to Peter, and then the sheet returned to heaven. So the message of this vision was not clear to Peter, and as he doubted the meaning of it, or his ability to understand the meaning of it, the three, and you know what, I think it's interesting because sometimes we will get visions or promptings, and we will not understand those meanings until maybe later, um, or we won't be able to believe them until maybe later. So then the three men that Cornelius sent arrived. This was perfect timing. The spirit was guiding Peter from step to step. Meaning, this meeting, uh, such a faithful Gentile like Cornelius was a necessary step. So the spirit tells Peter, arise therefore and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing for I have sent them. So I guess he was trying to prepare them, you know, for the, um, for the fact that Gentiles are fine, you know, like it's fine if people are not members of your faith because the people of Jesus Christ, that's all that matters. Okay, so Peter um, was being guided by the Spirit, therefore he went with the men and just told them like, I am who you seek, right? And then um, right here it says, and they, said Cornelius the centurion a just man and one of one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee then called he them in and lodged them and on the morrow Peter went away with them and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him and Tomorrow after they entered into Caesarea, Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And Peter was among, or was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, "Stand up! I myself also am a man." Okay, looks like it's time. But also, floor is done. Now we're on page two, ver Acts 10, verse 26. We'll come back to it. Okay, so here we go. We're on verse 26. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is, right, how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew, to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore I came, or therefore come, came I unto you without naysaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore, what intent ye have sent for me? Okay, so he was being clear. He was like, by the way, we're just, I'm, I'm not segregating. I'm not being, uh, hey, will you guys stop? Shoo! Um, they're not segregating. They're not, what is it? They're not being racist against people who are unclean or not clean or from a different nation or whatever. Um, and... 
Verse 30 says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately, immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth. So he was basically saying, this is what happened now. This is why I'm here. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. Okay, hold on. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Okay, see, that's what he's saying. Like, God is not um, partial to any specific type of people. But he just works righteousness within those who accept him as their God. And so that's it. Basically, God will bless those who will who believe in him and um, worketh righteousness and they and he accepts them i mean he blesses other people too but you know how it is when you acknowledge those blessings from the lord then he blesses you in different ways okay uh 35 yes flora you can go up there go your brothers are up there they're waiting for you. Okay, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Okay, see, I read that because this is what happens when you get distracted by children. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. And let's see, sorry, losing my place all over the place. Okay, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him, and we are witnesses of all things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Okay, so um, President Nelson has a quote, and so does Elder Uchtdorf. So let's read those. Spiritual truth cannot be ignored, especially divine commandments. Keeping divine commandments brings blessings every time. Breaking divine commandments brings a loss of blessings every time. End quote. And that's President Nelson. And that's April 2014 General Conference referencing Acts 1034. Um, and then Elder Uchtdorf says, Quote, there is no threshold of perfection you must attain in order to qualify for God's grace. Your prayers do not have to be loud or eloquent or grammatically correct in order to reach heaven. In truth, God does not show favoritism. The things the world values mean nothing to him. He knows your heart and he loves you regardless of your title, financial net worth, or number of Instagram followers. End quote. <laughs> April 2020 General Conference by Elder Uchtdorf. So... It's so true, and I, I love that that the Lord taught um, that the Lord taught that that the Lord taught Peter that he was not 
a respecter of persons. Like it didn't matter. He didn't play favorites with whoever, whoever was from one land or another. It didn't matter whoever was born from one person or in a specific situation or another that we don't have to qualify for his love. It's just given freely to us. So, okay. Um, we're Acts 10, 40, verse 40, okay? Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the, the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and, man, and, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So Peter was teaching of Jesus Christ. And um, the Holy Ghost fell upon those who heard his word. And that is what's going to happen when we preach from the heart and from our experiences and about Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. The Holy Ghost is who is going to teach and convert those people that are around us. We have nothing to do with the actual uh, teaching or conversion itself because the Holy Ghost is what turns their hearts. It's just our job to open our mouths, say what we need to say, share our experiences, be vulnerable, and the Holy Ghost can do the rest. Um, okay, so the expansion, uh, this is the quote from Elder D. Todd Christofferson. April 2012 General Conference, and then I don't have to go because I am going on a flight to Denver, and I got to get ready. So it says, early in the book of Acts, we find the apostles of Christ declaring the gospel message only to Jews, following the pattern of Jesus's ministry. But now, in the Lord's timetable, the time had come for a change. Elder Christofferson then spoke of Peter's dream, an experience with Cornelius. By this experience and revelation to Peter. The Lord modified the practice of the church and revealed a more complete doctrinal understanding of his disciples, or to his disciples, sorry. And so the preaching of the gospel expanded to encompass all mankind. Oh, I love that because maybe they didn't understand fully before, or maybe things just have to progress. See, here's like, I think this is just mom the momentary of mom, scriptural, uh, what is it? Taking scriptural liberties. Um, I think that sometimes when the Lord commands his apostles or his people, um, we sometimes confuse it, make it more complicated than it really is. And then he has to come out and say stuff again, but maybe in like a more flat out way or something. And then we understand it better. And you know how sometimes when we're reading, well, how every time when we read the Book of Mormon, certain things will stand out at certain times and we learn things only, you know, line upon line. I think that's how it is. You know, I think that's why we're in the continuous revelation and, and the church is continuing to um, 
continuing to grow and and learn new things even, you know, because I think as we all progress and grow, we understand things differently. So the Lord literally could have been saying the exact same words 10,000 years ago or whatever, and now is saying the same thing and we understand it differently because of so many different things and the water that we're swimming in, if you will, you know? So, um, and that's just what I think, because I think that the Lord never changes. He's always constant, right? But we're the ones changing and evolving. And if we're evolving and if we evolve with each other, because other people evolve too. And then if the gospel continues to grow, then there's more people evolving within the gospel, right? And, um, and it, I, and honestly, like, if you think about God, like, he's got to be growing too, or I should say they, you know, because that would just mean if they don't continue to progress themselves, then that means that they are halted in their progression, right? Which would not make any sense to me because this is all about progress. Life is all about progress. And I think our beings are progressing, right? So if we're progressing and if they're able to progress, then why wouldn't we be able to continue to receive revelation that possibly is the exact same and we just interpret it differently at different times and seasons because of different things are happening in our lives. Anyway, I'm going off on that too long. So um, that's just what I think. But I know that if I were to say like, well, God is a changing being, then that makes no sense because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about he's changing his mind because although I'm sure he has permission to change his mind, he can do whatever he wants. Um, I know that that's not what he would do for us. He would want us to, he would want to stay constant with his um, revelation and teaching to us so that we wouldn't get confused because otherwise we're going to get confused. Right. And I think that's why we have things like the Bible and the Book of Mormon so that we can keep going back to his words and learning of him that way. So, OK, um, I will see you soon. Bye. OK, we're back and we're about to read Acts 11 and realized, you know what? It is Friday on a week after the fact that we were already supposed to be done with that. And there's lots of good things to cover. So I was just going to kind of give you. Just a little t- title of what will go on the page numbers, okay? That way you can write that in, um, and that could create maybe some organization. But you'll have to read it on your own because I'm going to have to read it on my own faster so that I can start reading Act 16, which is technically the following week of where we're at here in the recording, but it's currently the week that we're on. So, anyways... Um, Okay, so page 1386 is the disciples are called Christians, and then an angel frees Peter from prison, and then there's James's death. And then page 1387, Herod's death, and the church continues to grow. Page 1388 is Saul, who's now Paul, curses a sorcerer. Paul testifies to rulers of synagogue. Um, page 1389, Paul testifies to synagogue. Page 1390, many follow Paul and Barnabas. 
Paul heals, they are hailed as gods. And then page 1391, Paul stoned and supposed dead. Paul revived and continues preaching. Oh man, that sounds amazing. I want to read that. Let's see, P- page 1392, disagreement in the church in Antioch. Page 1393, Silas chosen as Paul's companion. The spirit directs Paul to Macedonia. Okay, so, so, okay, I, I am just going to have to read some of this because some of this is just so good. Well, all of it's so good. I just didn't plan my time well, right? Okay, so we're, I guess, going to skip um, Acts 11 and we're going to go straight to Acts 12. And this is where James puts, it is put to death and Peter is imprisoned by the king. So says, now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church to cause, cause distress is the word vex. That's what that means. And then verse two, he says, and he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Oh, this is like what peer pressure is like. Then were the days of unleavened bread so the Passover, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quor, what is it? Quaternions, quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison and behold the angel of the Lord came upon him and light and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter in the side and raised him up saying arise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands and the angel said unto him gird thyself and bind on thy sandals and so he did and he saith unto him Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, meaning like, you know, he's like, wait, I'm not sleeping, right? He said, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Isn't that wild? See how I had to read that? Like an angel saves him from prison. Like, it's just amazing. And like... What would have been going through his mind throughout this time? You know, that's kind of what I was thinking. Okay. Um, There's actually some scholars suggest that James was born about 3 AD and died about 4 AD, making him 41 years old at the time that he died. And they also suggested that Jesus died between ages 33 and 36, putting his time of death 30 AD 30 or 33. This means that James would have helped lead the church between 11 to 14 years. Isn't that neat? It's sad that 
Herod had to put him to death that way. Um, because it was the first presidency, you know, of the church. And he was an apostle. And anyway, just really, really sad, you know. And James had been in the middle of, of everything since the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Um, and he was chosen by Christ to be one of the chosen three that he would prepare to lead the church after his death. So imagine the grief that the church experienced at this time, especially the apostles who had served side by side with him all of these years, and the grief of John, who was his brother. Yep, it would have been so sad. Okay. Um, and then... Peter, let's see. So that was James. And now, um, it was not yet time for Peter to to end his work, right? So that's why the Lord had an angel come and deliver him out of the hands of Herod. But, yeah. Um, Sometimes I like to, well, sometimes the deliverance that the Lord brings us from our trials is super fast like this, right? Where the angel came, he was in prison for just like a little bit, then the angel came, and then he was free. You know, sometimes our deliverance is super quick, and sometimes our deliverance can feel like forever, and that's called waiting on the Lord, right? Um, and he had to, and I mean, it seems like impossible that anybody could have even tried to escape because he had been put in such deep prison dungeon place that there were so many barriers, but none of those barriers could hold, can hold the Lord's miracles. Um, and so doesn't matter what you've been through, where you're at. You know, if you trust in the Lord, he will deliver you. And it might be quick and it might not be. But it doesn't matter because he will deliver you, right? Um, And it's also worth noting that Peter, God's representative on the earth, was not kept out of prison, okay? He still had to go in there. But how often do we hope to never be imprisoned at all or ever have any hard trials in our life so if peter had never been imprisoned he never would have witnessed this great deliverance isn't that crazy to think that like our trials bring us closer to jesus christ and it's hard it's hard pill to swallow but it's true you know trials in our lives caused by ourselves caused by others you know they can always bring us to closer to Christ if we allow it to, you know. Um, and it, it is a hard pill to swallow. I never could have imagined that going through betrayal trauma would bring me closer to Jesus Christ. But it has, you know. And so while I wouldn't wish that trial on anyone, and I wouldn't wish it upon myself again... I do love how much I love my Savior now and know him more now than I did before. 
but only because I allowed that to happen because I came closer to him because I wanted to. Okay, it wasn't like by accident that I came closer to him. Does that make sense? You have to want to have Jesus Christ as your savior. Because if you don't want him as your savior, then I don't know where you're going to end up. I'll be honest. Um, Because I know that when he's your savior and when you put your trust and faith in him, there's only good things to come. Okay, um, let's see. So then, there's uh, verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Okay, you see, this is something that's so weird. Like, I can't keep people's names straight to begin with. And then when we start adding surnames, forget about it. You know, like it's not surprising to me that I can't remember things like people's names in the scriptures. I could try a little bit harder for sure. But at the same time, I'm like, really, why did we have to go there with the surnames? You know, I don't Now I, I was like, okay, Mary, the mother of John. Good. Okay. I got that. And then I was like, wait, who's surname was Mark? What Mark? Uh, Yeah. Anyways. So they were all gathered together. And then as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. (laughs) That's so funny right? You'd be like Peter standing at the gate, like, let me in, you know? And the person at the gate would be like, Peter, ah, you got to go inside and yell his name and blah, blah, blah. I think it's Peter at the door. And Peter's still standing at the door. It's like one of those movie things. (laughs) They couldn't believe it because that's how, that's how much he was in prison. Like he was deep in prison. Like there's no way he would have gotten out. Right. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is an angel. It's not Peter. It's an angel. Don't be crazy, right? That's what people are saying. But Peter continued knocking, of course, because he's still at the door. This only happens in movies, people. Maybe this is how the movie ideas came. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Of course they were. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Right? He just begins to testify of the angel who who helped free him. And he said, go show these things unto James. So this is a different James. Remember, because the other James just got killed. And to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Now... As soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. Right? Because they were like, wait, who escaped? (sighs) Yeah. 
And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea, Caesarea and there abode. Dude, that's crazy. So because they couldn't hold Peter in the jail and, they, and Peter escaped them all, those soldiers had to be put to death. Wow. See, but you see where the loyalty is, right? Like, like those soldiers should have helped Peter because they were just going to die anyway. Or they should have left them in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Like, wicked people do not do nice things. So remember whose side you're on. Okay, let's see. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. But they came with one accord to him. And having made Blastus the king chamberlain, they... Their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration oration unto them. So he's given a speech. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. What? So that's how King Herod died. Why? Because he killed apostles of the Lord. Hello. And because he was giving a talk. And they thought that it was God speaking. But then, of course, he doesn't give God the glory. And when you don't do that and you want to take the credit for yourself, something's going to happen. Okay? Something is going to happen. You will get struck down. That is what that is. And, but the words of God grew and multiplied and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Thank you for confusing me. You maybe like an easy, like John slash Mark, maybe that way I can remember that more anyways. Okay. There is. Let's see, there is a quote from Elder Marky Peterson, and then we'll end with that because there's so much more. And I just want to get on to the next section, and I can't read that fast, you guys know. Okay, so New Testament Prophets by Elder Marky Peterson. It says, Anciently, the Lord showed his willingness to speak of the people by raising up a long series of inspired men who served as his spokesmen from the days of Adam to John the Baptist. But what about the New Testament period? Did God follow the same method then? Did he place prophets in the Christian church, thus preserving the historic pattern revealed in the Old Testament? This he did. Paul told the Ephesians that the church of Jesus Christ was built upon a foundation of apostles and prophets with the Savior himself as the chief cornerstone. Who were the prophets of that day? The twelve were included, of course, but were there others? The New Testament tells us that there were Silas and Barnabas, were two of them, and both were great missionaries at the time. Others were Simeon and Lucius, also a man named Judas. He was not Iscariot. Likewise mentioned are Menaean and Agabus, who predicted the arrest of Paul. These inspired men were in the church also to preserve unity among the saints and to heal divisions in the flock that were henceforth to be no more tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, end quote. 
October 1972 General Conference. So those were like all the the good peeps. Okay, I'm going to end up loving something else and want to read it. And so I'm just going to stop now. Thanks for showing up. Remember to read the rest of the chapters in this section. I love you. Goodbye.